Uh, let's see. This is episode five of Pals with Bill Wyman. Okay. Uh, and uh, we have Michael Malice here. This is true. Uh, you all right? I'm great. <laughs> you were in a good mood to, the minute you walked in the door. I'm in a good mood all the time these days. It's good Well, it's to also you. good to see you because I enjoy your company. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You and I have known each other since 2012? No, <laughs> uh, 12 years, 2007. Is that right? Yeah, it was 2007. And I actually looked up the original email that you sent me uh, trying to figure out exactly when it was and like where oh, wow. where you found out about my first 365 portraits, yeah. which, which you and I met on. Um, and you were just like, you should take a picture of me. There's comic books about me. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, you, you, you know, your, your shtick from 12 years ago. And I was like, that's amazing. Like, look at it. Wait, it's right no, there no, in the that email. wasn't 12 years ago. It was 2007. With, with me on the wall? That was 12 years ago? <laughs> with, with you, with the things as me? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking about the then you took oh, the, the thing in the, the wall. wall. Yeah, that was okay. like 2013. That's right. Okay, that's why like I got that. confused. Okay, that's yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that me picture. Yeah, I still have the the printout. <clears throat> Do you really? The of me? course. Yeah, because that was that was pretty fun. Yes, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and you, I think you captioned me evil genius or comic book genius, something like that. Something like evil that, super yeah. genius. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to look it up. Yeah. Um. So, Michael, you do God, you do everything. You write. Yeah. You ghostwrite. Can we talk about that or not talk sure. about that? Okay. Um, Co-author, because my names are on the books. Okay, fair enough. Co-author. Um, you 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 had your uh, last book that I know of, Dear Reader, where you went to North Korea. Yeah. And we could talk a little bit about that. Um, you have interesting political stances. Sure. I don't like that word, but yeah, okay. Political stances no, are interesting. interesting. It's always euphemism. Oh, I don't mean it so. I know, but it, yeah, okay. for people okay. listening, don't ever use that word. <laughs> Um, it's a waspy, like pejorative term. Okay. No, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff I want to get into. All right. And we, I mean, we don't have to get super political. I just, I just sure. want to want to go some places. All right. So you were born, grew up in Russia. Well, I grew up here. I was born there. I came here when I was two. Oh, so, so, so you have no memories of, of the old country as it were. Correct. But you know, still <laughs> raised in a Soviet household, which kind of has right. consequences. Yeah. And, and, and how old are you? You just had a birthday recently. I did. I turned 42. 42. So, okay, so you're only a year younger than me. So we're about the same age. Um, so yeah, 42. That means that you came over here when the Soviet Union was still the Soviet Union. Oh, yeah. And and the Cold War was in full swing. Absolutely. Late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. 82, Reagan. Yeah. And drop off, like serious stuff was going on at oh, the time. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And did, did you, you, why'd your parents leave? Because it was the Soviet Union. Right, right. And they, had, the a, and they had a kid, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And was it easy to leave back then? Uh, it. I mean, easier than earlier, certainly. Okay. I mean, basically, you have to bribe the government with all your stuff. Oh, I was wondering how that yeah. works. And you have to have a sponsor here. <laughs> okay, so you had some family member or something over here already? Correct. And it's just sort of like, all right, yeah, yeah, we'll just leave everything. It wasn't a family had. member. It was just a family who, like, vouched for us. Really? Yeah. yeah. Another Russian family? Uh, no, they're a Jewish family, like really? Orthodox. Yeah, this was their thing. Like, they're like, let's get the Jews out of Russia. Interesting. Because there was so much anti-Semitism there. Right, of course. Yeah. All right, so you, you get here and... You learn English because your parents were Russian and their English was good or not good? No, it was not good. I I learned English from television. Which is ironic because my last interviewee, Bun Chem, is a Cambodian friend of mine who learned by watching Sesame Street. Yeah, I learned from Three's Company. And I got to meet Suzanne Summers in the green room a few years ago. And it, it was crazy. 
She, yeah, were you just like, you don't understand? No, I was wigging out, but trying to keep calm, which is comes off as much crazier than just wigging out. Sure, yeah. Because then you're basically having some kind of seizure. Yeah. Uh, and I and she goes, actually, I get that a lot. And she goes, I think it's because our acting was so broad in that show, it was easy to understand what we were saying. Oh, because it was, they were so effusive. Yes, yeah. 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 So you could go, oh, I kind of understand. What, oh, what are they actually saying? Yeah, yeah. And put the two together. Right. That's really interesting. You never got to meet John Ritter before he died then? I did not. I did, no, I did not. Would I that have been even more mind-blowing? I was a, no, I think the one I'd, I'm a hipster, so I like the stuff people don't know about. So I'm, I would be a Joyce DeWitt guy. Really? Uh, yeah, because you, you know, most people probably haven't heard of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom had that haircut too. She has black hair. Oh. So she had the Janet haircut. So you, you know, see, you had a connection right there. There was the connection to, to <laughs> and I also found Chrissy to be annoying. Yeah. Because as a kid, I'm like, why is this woman so stupid? It, yeah, it bothered me because yeah. stupid people don't actually act like her. Yes, right. It's that sort of that false ditzy thing, right? right? It's like this doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, you know, there was, you know, if you look back at TV shows from when you and I were kids, it's even more stereotyped than now, or differently stereotyped yes. than now. Archetypes. Yes. Yes. They're really bad archetypes. Correct. And I actually got DVDs of all the shows I watched as a kid and watching them as an adult. Oh, what's that like? Uh, it's it's very weird because we tend to be like, oh, it's all crap. And it's very mixed. So some of the shows are hilarious still. They're not, you know, it's not, it's not you know, kind of edgy breaking new ground, like let's suppose early Always Sunny. Sure. But it's still like, I can watch this and it's funny. Like Mr. Belvedere is funny still. Really? Yeah. Uh, Small Wonder is excruciating, but it is what it is. Yeah. And then there's some other shows where it's just like, I can't, this is extremely painful. Yeah, I wonder, because you got to think that at the time, because it was just the three or four networks when Fox came around, the level of, even though the level of production wasn't great because just technology at the time, there were pros working on those shows. You know, people who knew how to build sets and people who knew, like a lot of big actors, you know, would go do, you know, you know, I mean, they were people who knew how to act. They weren't like nowadays where they just pull a kid out of the thing and just go, all right, here you get a TV show. And and the Three's Company set was torn down and reconstructed every week. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. Why? I guess because they use the set for other uh, so they shows. pull it apart and put it back every together week. Again. Yeah, That's isn't that crazy? crazy? That is nuts. Yeah, you know, I there was a I saw some movie recently where I was just like, I think you ever watch Numbers? You know no. That? Okay, there was that I know what it is, but, TV show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, crime procedural for those of you who don't know, based upon math because math is very exciting. <laughs> and I think that it's the same house they used in that that they used on Monk. Because huh. my wife and I watched Monk recently, that uh, Monk's brother lives in this weird house. And I was like, I think that's the house from Numbers. And I think that there are probably websites that connect oh, yeah. TV shows based upon locations. You and know I know I mean? the house that's on like Rock of Love or Flavor of Love, one of those VH1 shows. Yeah. They use this house with these two double staircases. They use it on a lot of shows. I've seen that house over and over. Yeah, like like Viacom just bought the house yeah. and uses it for all kinds of stuff. Right. <laughs> Yeah. It's so weird. All right. So, so you're a little kid growing up in Brooklyn to Russian parents. Yeah. How do you, what do you, what did you imagine you were going to do with your life? Did you have an, a, an I idea? wanted to be a zookeeper. Seriously? Yeah. So I'm still very much obsessed with zoology and things like that. Because I know you, I, I've, I've heard you talk about cryptozoology at times. Uh, have you discussed that? I, I have. It's not a particular, I'm, I'm familiar with it. Sure. Oh, Cryptozoology, okay. people don't know, is things like Bigfoot and, and Loch Ness yeah. Monster, animals that shouldn't exist. Yeah. And it's it's often derided, but there are a lot of cryptozoology that later was proven to be true. Coelacanths and, yeah, that kind uh, of Well, stuff. coelacanths was in cryptozoology because no one had any suspicion the coelacanth exists. But things like the king cheetah, the akapi, 
um, were you know contemporary right. examples of uh, cryptozoology that yeah, were later yeah. validated. Uh, the giant squid was never seen sure. until very recently. But do you buy the idea that there could be a actual quadruped or you know a, a biped? Bipedal no. animal walking around that I have zero because there's yeah. no primates native to north to north to uh, the U.S. and Canada exactly other yeah. than the humans so yeah. I don't buy the so you're like it could be possible in Africa uh, I I don't think bipedal no yeah but yeah. I I mean there's certainly lots of things that are uh, I don't think Loch Ness either is is plausible right but it's an absolute certainty I actually did a talk uh, for an organization once about endangered species and for it, it's it, think of it this way. Uh, I've caught a roach in my house. I live in Brooklyn, like let's suppose three times a year. Right. I have literally no idea how many roaches are in my house. True. Uh, and these animals have evolved for literally millions of years to escape uh, detection by visual-based predators, right? Right. So given that I don't know what's in my house and I'm there all the time, like the largest species of spider, and it's easier to hide something small than something big, right? Sure. So the largest species of spider was discovered in Laos in, I think, 1978. The colossal squid was first seen in like 81, the largest invertebrate. So if the largest, in, I, I'm getting the dates wrong, but it's yeah. somewhere out there. I got you. Uh, the megamouth shark, which is the fourth largest shark, was discovered in the 70s. So if these gigantic versions have only been found recently we don't know what's out there that's smaller oh yeah yeah yeah. so it it, maybe the animals aren't going to be weird in the sense of a bigfoot because which defies biology or a loch ness monster which defies biology but there's a lot of weird things out there that we have no idea sure is out there and then like extremophiles in the bottom of the ocean all that kind of stuff right right? but it's it's interesting though that that's more of almost a philosophical thing where some people would cryptozoologists who are on the sort of far end of 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 the of the site, who believe all the crazy things that people right. come up with, will say, "Oh, well, here's a couple examples that are reasonable, and it, just because that happened, therefore this could happen," right. which is not true. Correct. It, but that gets used in all kinds of places in the world, in lives, and arguments, and 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 stuff. Do you think that there is is that lack of community or lack of education for people? You know no, I, mean? I think it's a function of the human mind likes to extrapolate. Uh, into form conclusions. So if you have A and B, you're going to expect C, D, and E. And that's not how things actually work. For example, if I flip a coin four times and it goes heads, tails, heads, tails, there is zero uh, insistence that it's going to be heads next time. The, right. the pattern is, is coincidental. Yeah, still 50% next time. If Correct. you did 52 heads in a row, Correct. the next one will... 50% half. Correct. Half. Yeah. But human beings are made to see patterns. And some. And another example, I forget the term for this. You probably know this as a photographer. There is a capacity in the human mind to see faces where there aren't faces. Uh, oh, and, yeah, sure. And, and this is something that it's not well, a choice. Humans are pattern recognition Correct. nuts. Yeah. So this is, I think, what happens is like, you. okay, we discovered this monkey and now we discover this gorilla. Yeah. So therefore, we're going to discover what the next iteration would be, which would be Bigfoot. And that's not how it works. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 just interesting how, especially nowadays with mass communications, with podcasts, with whatever, where there is no gatekeeper, right? You know, the extremes on all sides of that thing get a voice that's louder than they would have gotten twenty years ago. And it's a lot more interesting to believe in Loch Ness monster than that it's some kind of huge. How cool would it be if they found a plesiosaur inside of Loch Ness? right? Right, that would be amazing. Right. And every kid in the world who read books in the library in that one little section of the library when you're a kid that had I like, have that book. Yeah. I read, so what I own every book I've ever read. And I remember I read a book as a kid called like America's Very Own Monsters and I tracked it down. Yeah. Uh, and Champ some, up in Lake Champlain. And the all Black Cat of the Capitol Building. Sure. Uh, yeah. Champs in there. Goatman. Yeah. Mothman. Yeah. 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 
And it's amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing stuff. All right, so you're a kid. You want to be a zookeeper. So where did the zoo? Where did the zookeeping go? I mean, other than your obsession uh, I with had biology, a, well, I had many aquariums, and just recently, I was over this. Now I had like 200 species of succulents in my house. So I, and just two summers ago, I believe it was, my friend from Czech Republic, both his parents, they're divorced, own zoos. So I flew to Prague to play with like all. I got to pet the aardvarks, which was very very cool. Well, are zoos private? In most of the zoos. Actually private in, in Czech Republic? No, or? but they just happen to have two small zoos. They also consult with the main Prague Zoo, which is world-class. Sure. Um, so we got to go behind the scenes there. That was, it was really, really fun. It so is. I'm still obsessed with animals and, and all that kind of and yeah. nature. And this is something, one of the reasons, and it's funny how, uh, you know how like uh, a certain group, like this is a bad example because it's not accurate, but let's suppose like the baseball fans hate the basketball fans for some reason. Yeah. So for me, as someone who's obsessed with zoology, I hate, hate astronomy and especially like minerals oh yeah because sure. to me it's mineralogy like, is boring right but it's like, oh it's a pretty rock right to yeah. me it's like you're looking like billions of light years away when at the bottom of the ocean are legitimate monsters that are abominations yeah and you don't care you want to look at this star it's yeah because it's big and red yeah i got big red things on earth yeah 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 yeah. no i get that i'm with you on the mineralogy i am an astronomy fan so i don't, I don't get it <laughs> um I have a friend who I actually got to get on this. My friend Nuno, who's uh, an attorney for the Bronx Zoo. Oh wow! And you know he went from somewhere else to there, some other nonprofit to there. And I was like, you know, what what's the big draw? You know, and he said, well, the really interesting thing is that I get to do so many different kinds of law. Sometimes I'm doing real estate deals. Sometimes I'm trying to figure out how to like get stud semen from an elephant yeah. from somewhere else to here. Sometimes I'm working on transferring an animal. Sometimes yeah. I'm working on, you know, somebody got bit by some animal at one of the zoos or whatever, you know, like just this huge varied thing, which I think is something that you, you and I both have very varied interests, you know? So I think that that's like a really interesting idea of having a job that actually lets you do a whole bunch of things all at once. Yeah. And I'm sure he does a lot of stuff uh, with black market things Yeah, because I've gotten plants that are illegal to have, but when you're getting it through customs, customs has no idea what this is. They don't know what it is. Yeah. And nor should they care. And in fact, this is a great way to, it's different maybe with the mammals. I'll, I'll give a for that. But if you're dealing with plant species, which, you know, the plants are, are being maybe local to an area the size of a living room and it's being converted to farmland, you want it, you know, widely distributed in cultivation yeah, so that yeah, yeah. the species has a mechanism of surviving. So you don't believe in invasive species? Well, I mean, the things I have are so delicate, they're not going to yeah, be Yeah, they're going to die if you put them outside. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I can't even grow. There's a, there's a, some, um, uh, what's it called? There it is. Uh, the Thai basil. Yeah, I know. I have a hard time getting Thai basil to grow. Well, you shouldn't be growing Thai basil. It's too basic. Too basic? Yeah. Where should I be growing? Uh, you know what you should be, what you should be growing is, um, what do you call it? The uh, well, Thai basil I can use, though. There's something called... No, they're, they're, oh, that's true. You can use it. I, I mean, I, I'm not a big utilitarian when it comes to hobbies. I think okay. the point of a hobby is to be useless, except for clothes, I guess. Okay, um, um, that's a topic for later. I have yeah. that on my list. But uh, there's something called, the, the genus is Panseris. I forget what the, bitter orange. And basically it's this orange tree, which is, can handle like negative 20 degrees Celsius. Okay. But the, the stems are a vine covered in thorns. It looks like a fairy tale thing. So you can grow it like in Canada and they use the rootstock to graft for like orange trees. And it's really cool and fun to grow. And in fact, there's a lady near here, a few blocks away uh, by 7th Avenue. We're in Park Slope, Brooklyn. And her front yard is all these. Uh, uh, oh, on Ninth Street up the hill. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. And her front yard is all these plants, and she uses this vine to keep people away because people were stealing her plants. 
Oh, so she has it trained all over. It makes it look like a crazy old witch house. Well, yeah, she does. Yeah, I know that woman. Yeah. I think she might be a crazy old witch. Well, she's. I met her. She was very sweet. She's like, you want a cutting of this? I'll yeah, be glad to give it funny, to you. It's funny. I used to live like four doors down from there. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, I used yeah. to walk, walk by her all the time. Um, Pensiris trifoliata is the, is the name. There you go. Coming out with the Latin. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. When you're dealing with species, you always use Latin because what I call a bitter orange might not be what you call a bitter orange, sure. and I get something disappointed. So dealing with like with reptiles, with fish, with plants, you always use the Latin so that you're getting what you're asked for because that's universal. Yeah, of course. Um, so what'd you go to school for? Business. Business. Yeah, because I knew it would. I have utter contempt for universities. So I knew the only point was credentialism. So I thought, let me get the credential that's going to be most useful to me in terms of making money when I read school. And I converted a bunch of my classmates, at least five to business majors, because I'm like, look, you like psychology? Read psychology books, minor in it. But you know, the point of getting a degree is to get a good job. And the business degree is the most, Bucknell, I went to Bucknell, uh, the business degree is the most versatile degree you're going to get. And you don't think that uh, education for the sake of education, assuming, okay, in America, education is very expensive. Sure. Um, if you were in a country where higher education is subsidized or very inexpensive, or you were in, I don't know, California in the 1970s when you can go to UCLA for a buck fifty and a and a pack of gum, do you think that that education for education's sake is is worthwhile then? I don't think I I don't think you're going to get a good education per se necessarily in a university. Right. Uh, I I don't know if you what your what your background is with photography. I never took a writing course. I have no education. Exactly. Yeah. I never like everyone I've worked with. No one did learn well, it think formally. It's because you and I are autodidacts and we can actually just pick things up and we're interested and we're sponges and we meet somebody who knows stuff and we just suck it. I honestly think that virtually every successful person I know is self-taught because when you're self-taught, you're self-motivated. True. So that's my, if you're going to be an innovator, I, I, I don't want to say innovator, but I, I think there's a strong correlation between people who learned and who learned by doing, because I'm sure along the way with you and with me, there were lots of mistakes sure. and lots of screw ups. Uh, but that's also how you, I mean, to me, uh, it's just about being competent. If you're competent, you're at the 80th percentile. So yeah. if you identify, like when I ask people how to, people ask me how to write, if you just identify, I say, read bad books. Because if you identify consciously those mistakes and avoid them, you're going to be better than 80% of people. Yeah. And, you know, if somebody says, oh, you know, I want to write a book. How do you write a book? It's like, well, write a book. 90% of people who say they're ever going to write a book never even get a, a page done. Correct. If you are the person who finishes a book, you're already in the top percent or whatever Correct. it is, right? Absolutely. It? Decisions are made by those who show up, right? You know, is that right? Okay, I, I that, like that's that quote. A, it's a term. That, yeah, that, I like it's that. It's a thing. I think I actually pulled it from the West Wing, but I think it's from earlier okay. than that. But I like the idea of like, yeah, just be there. Yes. Be the, you know, the other day, a few weeks ago, I was walking around with one of my daily subjects, this woman, and um, we come around the corner and some kids were running you past mean, us. You mean a photography <laughs> subject. You're not a king, right? <laughs> yes, one of my subjects. Yeah, <laughs> Just to be clear. I might be actually. Lord Bill. I'm working on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I come around the corner and there's these kids running past us. Oh, get the hell out of your fire truck. You know, we come around the corner and they like had thrown a cigarette, whatever, in a trash can. The trash can's on fire. Everyone, Michael, everyone's just standing there staring at it. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Should we, should we call the... How about you get some water and put it out? Yeah, this isn't this isn't hard. I go inside the restaurant and I was like, can I just get a bucket of water? Yeah, there's something on fire outside. Seconds. I'm just going to go put it out. Oh, well, I don't know. We don't have a bucket. I was like, oh my God. Fine, give me a, three cups. Yeah, exactly. There's there's an, there's a- Pitcher, th- right. Exactly. Yeah. Just fill it up. I go outside. I splash it, whatever it is. I walk inside and I, I hand it back to, yes. the, to the guy. I'm like, done. Yes. Can somebody be an adult here and actually do the job? Like, this is not that difficult. I think it is most difficult for people to have initiative. 
Yeah, but that, it's, and I think that, and this is kind of where I wanted to go with you, and we'll get back to your education and where you came from, but I find this so interesting. You're not a big fan of rules. Uh, no, I'm just not a fan of laws. I am a very big fan of rules. Okay, so where, where's the distinction for you? One is voluntary and one is imposed, and the latter is not mm-hmm. binding morally. Okay. Uh, rules are not binding morally or, or laws, laws are, are not laws binding, are morally. binding morally, right. Yeah, I've, I have a lot of conversation with legal friends of mine, and I said, you know, even if you really love the law, quote unquote. And capital, I could love the law. I think it's yeah, fascinating. Capital you can't, T, you, capital L. You it's can't deny it's not fascinating. Especially the constitutional law. Absolutely. I mean, it's, I'll, listen to, I'll listen to arguments from the Supreme yes. Court all the time. Like, these people are smart people. Of course. Really talking at a high level. Yes. And sometimes when you read, say, news articles about, say, the Supreme Court rulings and stuff, it's like, this is way too superficial. You're not really reading into what actually was said, you know. It's also fascinating to me, you know, given the tribalism of our politics <clears throat> when people are like, oh, those four justices are all morons. I promise you they're not. No, they're very, I very they're I not. didn't agree with most of Scalia's stuff, <laughs> but, but he's a bright man. But I, all of them, yeah. they're all brilliant legal scholars. This yes. is not disputable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I sometimes I say to legal friends of mine, I said, you know, where do you go when you're in a situation where the law and morality are not in sync? Right. Because there's plenty of gray yes. areas where it's like, well, this is legally correct, but it's a dick move, yeah. you know? And they're just like, that's a hard, you know, that's a hard place to be because a lot of people get into law because they like the idea of some sort of structured morality, which is so difficult to define, right? Well, I also have a friend who works for the uh, Legal Aid Society. You know, it's her job to be the public defender. And she knows she's defending the child molesters. Yeah, bad people. Like, I mean, I don't mean bad, child, this is off the charts bad. You know what I mean? And that's her job. And it, it gets to her. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but the alternative of having a trial where the accused doesn't have good counsel, well, I didn't say she was good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Confident. <laughs> Sorry, Eliza. I think you're great. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Where right. that's also a no go. The idea of just having basically trials where it's just a sham trial, right? Like at least people should be able to have somebody standing up for them. Who's somewhat competent arguing? Uh, sure, their, to some, to, to some yeah. extent. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Um, but so, just back to the rules thing. So, where do you find your rules, and how, how do you are you are you like a, a golden rule kind of person? No, I think the golden rule is horrible advice. Uh, I think it's it, if you think about it for five seconds, it falls apart completely. It's completely subjective, and it's the kind of thing where, like, let's suppose. I'm the opposite of what I am and it's some kind of badass, yeah. right? And I would have no, can I curse? Sure. I would have no problem. I'll just, I don't have to curse. I don't have any problem kicking the crap out of someone, right? right? And if that guy kicks the crap out of me, fair is fair. Right. So I can go beat my wife because if someone wants to kick my ass, you know, do unto others. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is a very basic example of that. Right. Or there's, you know, in, in the Soviet system, a lot of, uh, because things are so scarce and so corrupt, a lot of it is about uh, getting over Right. So yeah. it's the kind of thing where it's like, well, I have no problem kind of cutting my friend something under the table as long as it's kind of reciprocated the other way. Uh, so, like, I have no problem effectively stealing. Uh, you know what I mean? So, there's all sorts of loopholes. And plus, human beings are very, very good at being absolutely convinced they're great people. And right. if you watch like Maury and any of these terrible shows, 100% of those women will tell you they're great mothers who did everything they could for their kids and put their kids first. And they believe it 
with every bit of their being. Sure. And yet the number of people who are great mothers is certainly less than 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the people who, you know, how many people go into their wedding thinking that something, you know, that they're going to split up and then half of people split up, right? Sure. Same kind of thing, right? Right. Um, And I have no problem uh, being hurtful to people who deserve to be hurt. Yeah. Uh, I think the world needs Batman. The world needs Superman. And I think a lot of times people need to be taken down a peg. Yeah. Doesn't mean I want to be taken down a peg. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you have, do you have rules that you live by? Yeah. It's just simple. Like, uh, don't hurt people. And unless you mean to. Sure. Uh, unless they've done it, you know, unless they've initiated. Is that mom? Was it? Okay. No, she's, she's still in Connecticut. Uh, don't hurt people. And also don't, uh, impose your stuff on others. Meaning, especially like a good example is on the subway. You're blasting your music. You're taking up two seats. Yep. Just don't do it. Yep. And 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 loyalty is a big one, also. Hold on one second. Sure. I have no idea. What that oh God, it's the cops. Hello. No worries. I'm waiting for a suit myself. <laughs> uh, all right. So sorry about that. Um. Yeah, you're right. And and I always, whenever I see that, or people, you know, who get to the top of the escalator and don't get out of the way, it's like, you're not the only person in the right. world. It's, I mean, just simple sort of well, common sense kind of stuff. It's not common sense because if it was common sense, it would be common. So here's a good example. Uh, this, in New Yorkers, there was an article. I, I wish I could find the article. This is many years ago. Someone pointed out that New Yorkers actually have the best etiquette because we're not rude. This is us telling others how to behave because you have to follow rules of etiquette very strictly in a city because everyone's shoulder to shoulder, yep. right? And I, one of the things what people love to do in the subway, the degeneracy on the subway is off the charts. One of them, I was coming down the stairs and there was – uh, the stairs are probably three people wide in the sure. subways, right? There were two people sitting at the far left and the far right, just leaving a little space for yep. the stairwell. And I had a shopping bag in each one. And as I walked by, they hit them both in the head. Yeah. And, and it's I your fault played, for sitting there. And I played dumb. And it's like, yeah, this is, it's you, this is not a seat. Right. This yeah, is yeah, a yeah. throughway. Get the hell out of the way. Yeah, there, it's funny. There's stairs at Grand Central. Right next to the stairs, it has do not sit on yeah. stairs. And there's, always somebody sitting right next to the sign that says do not sit on stairs. So this is, I've made this argument before. I am an anarchist. I'm against the cops because in my view, if you're going to have police, you're going to have police brutality because there's no accountability. Okay. And the argument further goes, if you're going to have police brutality, let's put it in a useful purpose as opposed to beating up people who shouldn't be beat up. Right. So, so in that situation without police, who stops the guy who's the child molester, the people around them? Well, I mean, I mean, this would be a very complicated issue because whose child is it, so on and so sure, forth. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. children's rights is very, very tricky, even sure. in our legal system. But in terms of, let's suppose, the subway, if the subway is privately owned, you wouldn't have to have everyone allowed on the subway. You would, people would be banished from the subway. Just yeah. as simple as that. Just like in a bar. Yeah. If you go to a bar and start playing, you yell out, it's showtime, start putting on your boombox and start dancing, that bouncer can throw you out and you will never be allowed to return that bar. And that's exactly how it should be. Right, right. But if they say, we don't like Russian guys in here. That's fine. That's their property. Okay. That's yeah. It's see, and there's a lot of people would argue against that. I mean, we don't have to go deep down. Sure, that they would. I, they're entitled to their view, but they're not <laughs> yeah. entitled to their, impose their view on my bar. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, yeah. Okay, so sorry. And I don't to- blame them. Russians are terrible. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Oh, yes, I know so. I know this from experience. <laughs> Man, Putin had a good day the other day, huh? Uh, I think Putin has a lot of good days. Yeah, he's it's a good smart to be dude. Vladimir. I think. Yeah, it is. He's a smart dude. <laughs> Um, all right. So you go to school for business. You get out. You're 22 years old. Yeah. You're good looking. Uh, no. <laughs> go <ahead. laughs> 
Did you have writing skills even then? Uh, not at the level I do now. Okay. Uh, because obviously you, you kind of, you know. You get better at things when you practice yeah, them. Course, it's yeah. weird about that, isn't yeah. it? Like, well, you get better at things also when you uh, consciously try to get better at them. Yes. Yeah. So you, you don't think that people unconsciously get better at things just from doing them? Not as much as, as doing it consciously. And do you, if you are, say you're a writer, you want to get better at writing. Do you read the stuff you wrote and say, and try to rip it apart so that you could find the no, flaws? No, because by the time something's been published of mine, it's gone through eight iterations and I've lost all perspective. Okay. So I, I'm not at this point trying to be better as a writer. Um, I, I'm good enough as I'm going yeah, it's, to, it's, I'm, I'm You're fine. the writer you're going to be, maybe you'll change over time, but better or worse is it. Right. I've got like eight, nine or 10 books under my belt. So it's, it's fine. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you guys, and I'm never going to be a great writer and I'd have no interest in being a great writer. Yeah. Great, great writer from a, from the point of view of the language you use right. or the way you, you know, it. like, I mean like Steinbeck, I, I, I'm not yeah. a particular Steinbeck fan, but like it's, it's, yeah. You, know, you you hear those, there are those people out there, you know, the Foster Wallaces of the world or whatever it is, who just, you know, they'll, they'll write stuff or did write stuff. And you just kind of go, where does that come from? You know, just they're eloquent in a way that sure. other people aren't. Yes. You know what I mean? Was that ever a goal of like, oh man, I want to be like those people who have that really special thing? No. Okay. I knew uh, when I first wanted to be a writer, I read this book that Chuck Palahniuk recommended called Jesus's Son by Dennis Johnson. And I didn't know Dennis Johnson had formerly been a poet, but the writing was so amazing. I almost gave up because I'm like, I'm never going to be this good. Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, I don't have to be Dennis Johnson. Dennis Johnson is Dennis Johnson. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not competing with him. I'm trying to do something completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a similar thing in photography, right? I can look at, there are a hundred photographers that I could list that are better than me with quotes around it, you know, for whatever reason. Right. It's like, I, I'm never going to outdo them. They do what they do. I've just got to be good at... Is this, is this where you confess you're tr- always trying to outdo Maplethorpe? <laughs> Maplethorpe. Maplethorpe. Did you watch the Maplethorpe documentary that was no, on HBO? No, I, I, no, I think I... <clears throat> um, wasn't it completely whitewashed? Uh, no, it was pretty raw. Did it, I mean, did it talk about what a huge racist he was? Oh, uh, not big into that, but it okay. did really show how much of a jerk he was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then it's worth watching. Because okay. he was... An he was a horrible person. Yeah, and it's it's amazing. And it, you know, you look at that kind of stuff, and you go, "It's." Do you ever think of the want the world to be a meritocracy, and it's not, and it frustrates you? No, you just understand that it's not, and and just go about your day. No, I just think that his merit isn't necessarily the kind of a, a, if he's trying to be a something. Being a good photographer would not necessarily be his route to do so. I don't. I don't know how good he was technically. I don't have the capacity to judge a photographer. Sure. But he was very good at being a groundbreaker. He was also very good at being a networker. Yes. Uh, he and I mean, he made photography. He was one of the main ones. And correct me if I'm wrong. To make photography regarded as an art, simply due to his connections and people championing him, as opposed to his actual yes. skill. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's a big merit. Yeah, and and he was, you know, again, the old right there at the right time with the right message. You know, he was a hustler, right? In every late sense. 70s, early 80s, gay man, New York. Like, there's all kinds of stuff that like goes into that conflict. Right. right? The he, world was ready for, theoretically, for, for what he was and, doing. And, right, and he played his cards correctly. Yeah, and played the provocateur right. correctly. Because he was selling cred. Yes. Because now all these rich people, like predominantly gay, could yep. have one of his photographs right. on their hall. Right. And even though they're in a suit all day, now they could kind of have a wink that I'm not this corporate jerk. I'm right. actually edgy just like everybody else. He's selling them credibility. Um, 
And yeah, but the problem I have with that is that he's also building, um, uh, he's also taking money from the, the, from the, from the NEA. Right. And then it all becomes this big giant thing of like, oh, you're sticking, you know, whips up guys' butts and taking pictures of it. And who do you think you are? And all that kind of stuff. But there are people who would look at that and say, oh, he's doing that on purpose in order to just trump up press. Right. Do you believe in that kind of stuff? Because at times you're a bit of a provocateur on social media and stuff. Oh, yeah, but I mean, I'm not doing it to get press. And I don't know, I don't know if that was his, I think a lot of, with him, and I'm not a Maplethorpe expert. I've read a couple of books on him. I read Patty Smith's book on him. Yeah. My understanding is, you know, he was so cynical and numb that it kind of was banal to him and he kind of got off on the fact that this was causing such a reaction. Right. So he did not seem to be a very joyful person. And no. I don't think his work is particularly joyful either. Oh, not at all. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's the other thing. There's a lot of people who are very successful, but just very sad people. Yeah. You know, and, I, and, and when you're looking at people in your life and trying to have some idea of, okay, what could my life be? And you see those people who are successful but miserable – you know, it's kind of like, well, I got to stay away from that. Obviously, that's not the road to take. Right, right. You know, but but back to your social media taunts. Yeah, not trolling. Taunts. Trolling, I yes. guess, yeah. You see it as trolling. Yes. On purpose. Yes. To accomplish what? Same reason you do all trolling for the lulls. Really? Okay, That's that's my, that was my question. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're just seeing it as like, oh, it's just fun. Let's see what we can get people to say or... or Yeah, trolling properly understood. There's two ways the word trolling is used, and I hate that they're conflated. One is being a jerk to and me mean to people. That's not trolling. That's just being a jerk. Right. Trolling, as I would say the first troll was Andy Kaufman, is turning the audience into a performer by exploiting their flaws. So uh, as an example of, of trolling... Andy had this fake character, Tony Clifton, who was this lounge lizard, yep. yeah, uh, who was in disguise. And there was this one. This sometimes is, him, sometimes someone else. Bob Zamuda. Sometimes Thank you. Bob yep. Zamuda. Yeah. And there was this one moment where he was performing as Tony Clifton and he said, Oh, you know, my wife, Sarah, passed away. And every time I look into our daughter's eyes, you know, I see Sarah staring at me. Let's bring her out here and we're going to sing a duet. So the girl comes out and they start singing duet and her voice cracks and Tony slaps her across the face, right? In front of the whole crowd. The crowd gasps in horror and leans back and he starts berating her. She's crying and the crowd is yelling and he tells them, stop yelling. You're making her cry more. Well, she wasn't even a girl. It was an actress. You know what I mean? And she wasn't even a child. That is classic trolling it's exploiting you know people's vulnerabilities yeah, in it order almost to becomes make, performance art it is performance art okay. quite it's it, it and is, that's how you see the the sort of the things you get into on social media on twitter and such i mean when you have i just nabbed congressman steve king you know over the weekend because one of my t- tweets i said uh if you, you know all the one of the big arguments or the movement now in Republican circles is for Supreme Court justices to be strict constructionists or constitutionalists, right? Instead of looking at decisions that have been made through the years, although they still look at them, they're not throwing them completely in the garbage. It's really what was written in the Constitution, what was meant at the time, right? Which, by the way, is an insane way of thinking about the Constitution. I disagree completely. Really? I think that's the correct way. But I'm not okay, a constitutional. We'll get in that conversation later. I'm not a constitutionalist at all. I'm an anarchist. Okay. So um so I tweeted out, I go, if you listen to DRUMPF, in all caps, uh, right. his Supreme Court would take us back to the 1780s vis-a-vis the Constitution. Is that what the founding fathers wanted? Right. And 
people were like, yes. And it's it's the question's absurd on its face. By definition, sure. yeah, that's yeah, what they yeah. wanted. Right. And Congressman Steve King of Iowa retweeted me and he goes, blah, blah, you know, and just was chiding me. And it's like, how could this tweet be interpreted anything other than absurd on its face? I right. mean, it's right. almost tautological. Right, yeah. I taught, it's absolutely the case that the people who wrote the Constitution in the 1780s right. wanted to be understood as it's, it's written. The 1780s, yeah. yeah. It's, right, right. This is just math. Right. So, yes, that was a fun one. And it went on for like three days. Yeah. Because then all the Republicans were started yelling at me about you know what a uh, Brooklyn you know I, I'm sure I got called I, I got called several like slurs. Is there a downside to what to the trolling? I haven't found one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I have not found one. Even it, but you have somewhat fairly thick skin when it comes to this kind of stuff. Some people would take the stuff that comes back at you and take it personally, where you just kind of let it roll off. I if here's how I would explain it: if someone came up to you to the listener, anyone on the street and said, you're an idiot. Your reaction wouldn't be to reevaluate your intellect. It like, would be you don't like, you know me. It's also like, why are you talking to me? And, yeah. and here's the other thing. Even if that person is true and I was an idiot, if you came up to me in the street and said that, I would not be receptive to your message. Yeah. So to me, it's almost impossible uh, especially when someone's calling me an idiot when I'm making spelling mistakes on purpose. Like the sure. name of my show is called You're Welcome, yeah, Why I You wanna, Are. I was going to ask you about that. And yeah. people are like, start correcting me. And yeah. it's just like, congratulations, you can spell you get, it a second grade level. No, yeah. no, it's congratulations, you could spell it a second grade level. You're a genius of yeah. all geniuses. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that I do enjoy. My, I have not found a downside to trolling. Interesting. Yeah, that's a whole thing. Because I sometimes I watch you. I'll see you're like back and forth on Twitter. Or, you know, the stuff that ends up on Facebook is sort of like the amalgamations of, of oh, the yeah. things that are, and I'm just like, man, this is a whole world that I just would never dive into, you know? Yeah, okay. It's fun though. It, it's, <laughs> if you have a knack for it. The, um, uh, uh, so how did you get into to writing with people, co-writing? Um, I had an editor who had a book proposal of mine and he was really impressed with it, and he needed a co-author, a long story short, for uh, Matt Hughes, UFC Hall of Famer's book. Right. And uh, I hit it off with Matt, and, and kind of after that, it's just kind of working your network. Right. Okay. And th- did you – I know you've talked about it before, so we don't have to go too deeply in it. But like when you're, when you're spending time with these people trying to like get an idea of what their life is like and doing the writing process and getting the stories so that you can kind of tease them out and make them or something – do you find yourself absorbing the way they see the world in, in a way? Or oh, do you- of course. Profoundly. So anytime yeah. I ask myself, given my uh, political views, if I'm on the autistic spectrum, I have to answer myself that my job as a co-author is to have extreme empathy. I have to be able to see things through the eyes of somebody else. Right. Yeah. 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 And do, do you take moral stuff from them? What do you mean? Take eh, like um, you don't seem like a particularly sort of violent, sort of you know, male male kind of guy. Sure, but here you are writing a thing about a UFC fighter who probably so, sees the world very differently yes, than you. Yes, hundred percent. But the other thing I learned is that these UFC types are not macho in the sense that they don't engage in posturing. Right. Uh, so they're it's either th- they're either going to kill you or they're not going to get involved. Every fighter I've talked to, if like someone at a bar drunk goes up to them and goes, you know, I bet you I could kick your ass. They always go, okay, I'm sure you can. There's no, I don't fight for free. There's no incentive for them. Or if someone came up to you and it's like, I'm a better photographer than you. Okay. Yeah, great. Sure, great. More power to you. If that's true, more power to you. If not, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing what I'm doing. Whatever, you know, what are you going to do about it? This is not a seesaw. It always reminds me of that, uh, 
Jack Reacher movie, you know the Oh yeah, Sam I Cruise met one? him. I met the author. Oh really? Yeah, we got into it about a uh at John Stossel's house. Oh really? I've never read the books. Neither have I. I wonder if they're terrible or not. I'm sure they're actually Some people gr- are really into I'm it. I'm sure they're great cuz they're popcorn. They're not trying to be Steinbeck. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. sure they're the fact that there's 20, I'm sure they're exciting. Yeah, right, right, right. But there's that scene where uh Tom Cruise is out with the five guys and he's about to like get in a fight with them and he's like he just looks up at a guy and goes Remember, you wanted this. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Just like, I don't want to be here. Right. But there's no way for us to get from here to wherever we're going to go without right. going through this moment. So right. yes. let's just get this over with. You right. know? <laughs> I just love that idea. It's fun for me where people come at me on Twitter and I just slam them through the floor and then they end up blocking me because they're just completely humiliated. So this right. happens very frequently. Really? Oh, yes. You think, do you have any way to find out how many people have blocked you on Twitter? I don't know. I have know. no idea. Yeah. So it's 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 a very weird thing. All right, so you start doing that. But stuff. it's also kind of funny. Like you approached me, yeah. You started something. I, you know, did a hip toss on you, yeah. And now you end up blocking. Like you started. I mean, this yeah. is what you asked for. Yeah, you and came you got at it. me. You came at me. Too many people, and this isn't in, in Twitter in real life. Too many people have seen that '80s movie uh, where they yell at the bad guy and give a speech. And everyone, the bad guy just stands there looking at the ground, shaking his head at how humiliated he is. And they carry the hero on their shoulders out of the room uh, to great applause. Right. And they think this is how their life is going to go. I assure you it's not. Right. The bad guy is going to fight back. The bad, and he's better at, th- and if it's me, I'm much better at this than you. I'm certain. Have you always been that way? Yes. Faster than the other guy? Yes. Mentally, I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, my family will have very sharp tongues. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yes. So it's a, it's a family trait. Yeah, it's fun. And it's, I, I don't know if it's a Russian thing, uh, but it's certainly, in, in my family, it's been kind of, uh, and also this kind of, uh, the idea that like, oh, someone out there hates you, like, therefore you should be hand-wringing is completely foreign to right. how, I was, how I was raised. He's just like, people hate us all the time. It's not that people hate us all the time. Like, if you're at, at, at like, if you're at, like, my dad was just having some job and, you know, he was reading me the email. They were kind of having, the, the job had ended, but the guy owed him money. And my dad's like, you know, you still owe me this rate. And he goes, fine, I'll like come in next Tuesday. I can't wait. To, I never have to see your ugly fat face anymore, blah, blah, blah. And my dad's like, what time? Yeah. You know, like the idea that he's going to be like, oh no, someone I'm never yeah, yeah, going to yeah, yeah, see yeah, again yeah, is yeah. going to think I'm fat and ugly. And he's so frustrated that they have to verbalize this and look like, I mean, this, is there any greater symbol of impotence that in a business email you're berating someone? It's yeah, like you're yeah. clearly an, a loser. Yeah, I, I, I sometimes will get into, not arguments, but conversations with my agent because she's very good at just being like, oh no, this contract's no good. We're going to send it back. Well, and I'm, all I can think is, because I'm a people pleaser, just, I don't get that mentality. Like, I just like, oh my God, like, what if they walk away? What if they, it's like, they're not going to walk away. They're going to send us a better contract. Right. Well, what, what if they do? It's like, relax. It's but fine. But that's the other thing, Bill. What if they do? So. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I know, but this is you know, catastrophizing. It's like, it's, it's a certain, it's. It, but I think like that also, I given, you know, one of the things I always think of is I always, Russia is a very low trust, Russia, a Soviet Union is a very low trust culture. Okay. So whenever I'm having an interaction, I always assume what can this person do or what happens if this that, goes the south. The baseline is that it's going to go south and Correct. they're going to walk away. And you have contingency plans. Yep. So I'm not going to have the panic because I'm like, okay, if this contract fails, then yep. A, B, and C. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's, you know. And most contracts do. I mean, I don't know about photography. It's a much smaller thing. But at the point at which deals, you're haggling about a contract, it's already done. It's just a matter of figuring out the little stuff in between. Right. They've done this a thousand times. They're right. going to do it again. But the even magazine if, already wanted me or whatever it was. But with right? like books, most of the times it is going to fall through and it's fine. 
you just assume that it's like, I'm going to pitch 20 things and one of right. them is actually going to happen. Because it has to go through eight things have to align for this to become a book. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a different way of looking at it. So when did you start writing your own books on top of the co-writing? Well, the the first one was, I guess, Dear Reader, which was 2014. Right. Not too long ago. Yeah. And and why why North Korea for you? Um, I, this is, this was an issue where it was the most widely known and least understood. So that I think is the perfect opportunity for a book where it's like, okay, I don't know anything about this subject, but I hear a lot about it. Yeah. So all the books about North Korea were either too technical yep. or too depressing, understandably. So I'm like, okay, if I write a book that is fun and entertaining and you could read it in the, at the beach or in the bathroom, uh, this is going to serve a real purpose. Right. Right, right. And it, when you wrote that, it was before the current administration and all yeah, the stuff that's Your going reader on. came out in January 2014. Right, right. So it was like just as the nuke stuff was really happening where they were starting to figure that stuff out and doing No, the nukes of, were in the, I mean, Clinton had to deal with the nukes. Yeah, I mean, they were, yeah, but they, when did they, yeah, when did they do their first test? I mean, I mean, this has been going on for decades. 90. It, it was a while. Yeah. I don't, off the top of my head, I'm like, some of those were seemed to be fizzles and that kind sure, of stuff. Sure, but yeah, the, yeah. they're clearly going down the road at that point. It, you yeah, know? And exactly. they're clearly intending to. This right. isn't just, you know, like, like Iran where it's just like, okay, we don't really know what's happening there. Right. This is like, no, we are actually actively taking steps to develop nuclear missiles and we're getting better every year. Yeah, okay. And so Trump comes in, he says, I want to talk to, well, says all kinds of awful things via Twitter, right? Sure. Do you think that that was a a, a, a purposeful provocation or do you think it's just Trump being Trump? What do you mean purposeful provocation? Um, Do you think he was, he was, that there was a, there was a master plan behind the uh, I don't Twitter know if provocation. A master, kind of, I, it's not a provocation. It was a reaction. Keep in mind that they sentenced him to death and they threatened to nuke Guam. So North Korea sure. has this amazing weapon of mass destruction, which they unleashed into the atmosphere, yep. which caused everyone on Earth to have amnesia. So, like, whenever I talk about North Korea, I'm like, you remember they did this last year? No, and no, no, like, no, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't mean you specifically, but it's just so when the idea, the idea that like you know they can sentence a president to death and he's got to respond with. Kindness. No, yeah, no, I don't. I don't expect him. So I think him being a negotiator. When you deal with real estate, you know what I mean. That's one thing you do know how to do is deal with shady people. I mean, real estate, New York real estate, has got to be basically akin to being a gangster. I'm sure. sure. I mean, it's it's completely duplicitous, so on and so forth. So for him, instead of treating this regime with respect, as if they're Theresa May or Angela Merkel, not that he's particularly respectful toward them, but certainly they would deserve respect, you know, given their stature and what they've accomplished. He's like, look, these are gangsters, and I'm going to talk them on their level. But but in the end, he ended up giving them. Go ahead. And a basic step of negotiation is speak the language of the person you're speaking to. And that way, you know, there's some reciprocity and you can have actual communication. But don't you think that in the end, well, first of all, do you think that North Korea is never going to bomb Guam just to make a point? Correct. At the same time, it's very dangerous to have a country blatantly threatening to nuke other countries and have consequences. No, I, 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 I agree. But the consequences seem to be that they get to go to Singapore and meet with the most powerful man in the world. No, the consequences, they had to go to Singapore. So North Korea never leaves. The North Korean regime's leaders don't usually leave North Korea because Kim Jong-il boasted that it's just like in Hollywood, who goes to whose table. So Kim Jong-il boasted, he goes, look, I got Bill Clinton to get in a flight and get his ass to Pyongyang. I have uh, the Chinese coming to Pyongyang. I have the Russians come to Pyongyang. Why do I get in a flight? They all come here and kiss the ring. So the fact that we got him out of the country is a sign of weakness and a big deal but do you but do you think that the that whole thing was just uh do you think the usual thing of 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 
North Korea saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do all these things and whatever. And then for the next six months, they go, oh, well, you're not holding up your end of the bargain. So we're not going to hold a bar. That, end that of is ours. certainly plausible. Just, that's just the string along thing that, that North Korea always does. That's certainly plausible. So the, the, yeah. there's so there's things that have changed and there's things that have not changed. So yeah. we don't know how it's going to play out. So what's, what's And how uh, they're playing China the other correct. direction. So what is uh, – what I would just tell people is whenever you hear anyone, there's two sides to this and there are both, and I hate doing this that both sides are wrong, but this is a case where it's like both sides are not only wrong, but complete demented. Uh, on the one hand, you had, you know, Kim Jong-un agrees to meet with President Trump and you had the Trump people saying, Trump should get the peace prize, Nobel Peace Prize. It's like, we don't have peace yet. Yeah. Maybe let's end the Korean War on paper. Yeah. Then we could talk peace prize. Sure. Right now, nothing has happened that would warrant the peace prize yeah, at all. Talk. Sh- sh- yeah, so shut up. Yeah. Number one. On the other hand, uh, Trump cancels the Singapore summit. Everyone forgot about this. He canceled yep. it. Oh, I knew it was never going to happen. This is a disaster. North Korea played us. Yep. Then two weeks later, he's like, "All right, it's the, back the on. summit's back on." Everyone's like, "Oh, forget." I never said anything. And yeah. then just recently, Pompeo went to North Korea. North yeah. Korea was, "Oh, he's talking like a gangster. This is unacceptable." Oh, see, I knew nothing would come of it. It goes, "What kind of?" Let's suppose you're buying a house. It's like you were talking about negotiations. Yeah, yeah. If you're buying a house, every step along the way, it's going to be a headache. It's going to be a pain in the ass. It can't be anything other than pain in the ass. Do you really think solving the North Korean situation is going to be less complicated than buying a house? Right. So yeah. you are expected to have hiccups. We don't know how this is going to play yeah. out. This is certainly a good trajectory because they're not threatening to New Guam and they're not testing missiles and so on right. and so forth. And I'm hopeful. But anyone who's speaking in absolutist terms sure. about a country that is so duplicitous and secretive yeah. doesn't know what they're talking well, about. Well, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. It feels like they're trying to treat them as if they're a member of the international order who actually does what they say they're going to do. Well, that's also kind of fake it till you make it, right? So if you sure. treat them a certain way and says, hey, this can be you if you do what we want, right. it's you know, it's kind of like taking a girl on this date and you're a millionaire and you take her to this restaurant and you buy her a dress and you take her out to this nightclub. It's like, this can be your life. Just do what we want. So that's right. one mechanism of trying to persuade man, people. I don't ever see them giving up their, like them giving up their nukes. Like I agree. It's just they have no good reason but to do I that. But I have no problem with them keeping their nukes because Pakistan. Oh, Bin Laden was in Pakistan, and Pakistan has nukes. That's right. another thing that everyone has amnesia right. about. Bin Laden right. was he was probably next door to the silos, right? Exactly. Yeah. For years they covered for him, right. and they were and the Pakistani government was pissed that we didn't give them the heads up that, that we we're taking out Bin Laden. Exactly. Yeah. This yeah. isn't like we took out their vice president <laughs> right, or we right. took out some murderer. It's Bin Laden. They're like you should have given us warning. Really? Yeah. We yeah. should have given you warning about Bin Laden? Yeah. It is it is a weird thing though. Nukes in general. Anyway, this- so let me just finish my God, point. Sure, what yeah. I'm worried about, I was on Fox and Friends and they go, "What are you what are you most concerned about, you know, vis-a-vis these talks?" I go, "That the North Korean regime stays in perpetuity. I am concerned yeah. about the people in the concentration camps and the 25 million North Koreans who right. are slaves. That's all I care about. I right. have zero concern that they're going to fire nukes at anyone because even if they didn't have nukes, they can decimate Seoul in seconds yeah. with traditional yeah. missiles. But and they, they could have for years. But they also know that there are 10 countries surrounding them that could do the same to like literally flatten their entire country within an hour. They say this explicitly in their propaganda. They acknowledge this explicitly. So, uh, and when, when I started working in this space, I, and I'm going to take a small bit of credit for this. 
the arguments always were they're crazy, they're insane, they're suicidal. And I made two points. One is if they're suicidal, they're really bad at it because they've outlasted everyone except for Cuba. Right. So that's not what suicidal means. And two is if they're insane, that just means you're confessing you don't understand how they work. And now it's virtually a given among everyone across the spectrum politically that the North Koreans are not insane at all and they're acting according to their own logic. So this was a big change. They're rational, they're just brinksmen. Right. So this was a big change in the last four years since I've started working in this space and I'm delighted. Yeah, that people are actually seeing it for what it is, which is- Right. Yeah. But they, at the same time though, they don't seem to have- actually have much concern for the people who live in their country as long as they stay in power. Correct. So as I talk about in Dear Reader, there was an intentional genocide in the 90s where one to two million people starved to death in order for Kim Jong-il to maintain his hold on power. So when people are talking about Trump and appeasing Kim Jong-un, I always tell them, remember, Madeleine Albright got her fat ass to Pyongyang and toasted Kim Jong-il. We have the photos within miles of those concentration camps. And I'm not saying she did the wrong thing. Let's try it. But the idea is when you're dealing with, you have to respect, and I don't mean respect in the sense of admire. You have to respect in the sense of acknowledge the strength. You have to respect a country that has so many prisoners because these are hostages. So when a hostage has a family hostage, you have to be like, all right, this guy's in a capacity to do really bad things. And we, if you're just going to yell at him, that's really not going to get him to do what you want. Do you think that your views about North Korea, and I agree with most of your views, your analysis of North Korea, uh, is heavily, I was going to say burdened is the wrong word, but for lack of a better word, by the fact that you're from a Russian family, from a Soviet family? Uh, well, it has a lot to, here's, no, it has a lot to do with the fact that when I was writing Dear Reader, I read 60 books, six zero, right? And I read all their books, which no Americans have, because you, you know what I mean? And they, what was shocking to me is how explicit they are about their strategy and their thinking and how they brag about it. Yeah. So they're not even doing double talk. They go, look, we can't beat the United States. This is the techniques we use, blah, blah, blah. So they spell it all yeah. out. Yeah, so that's we can why play games I, and string them along and do this, yes. that, and the other thing, and play them against China and play China they, against them. The and, metaphor they use: this is North Korean propaganda. Yeah, we're an ant hill and America is an elephant. Uh, the ants can't kill the elephant, but we can drive it to the direction we want by biting it. This is their words. Yeah. So when you have them spelling it out this explicitly, I don't have to wonder how they think yeah. because it, it perfectly matches what they actually do. Yeah. It's interesting though. Let's, let's assume some situation where the Kim dynasty actually just did whatever they could to make it better for their people and to hell with everything else sure. about their own power thing. There's no resources in North Korea we want. There's no well, look economic- at Singapore. That's why Singapore is such a good model. Singapore was a rock that was a jungle in the middle of the ocean, right. and Lee Kuan Yew made it a world power. Right. So you don't really need resources as long as you have certain other things like free markets. Right. And I guess my point is that there's no reason why we would try to topple them oh, unless they're course. antagonistic towards the rest of the world of anyway. Of course. There's, there's dozens of countries that are jerks to their people of that course. we just leave alone because it doesn't make it's no there's no strategic advantage. I, I make this point on every show I do. I go, I don't need them to be Sweden or some liberal democracy. Just get them to be China level and I'm fine. Yeah. Food, yeah. access to information, 
and technology. passports, technology and passports. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. They don't need to. They don't need to have the internet. They don't need to have a you know a parliamentary system. Yeah. They just need to not worry about a knock in the middle of the night, which yeah. the Chinese do have, but it's certainly to a far lesser extent than North Koreans. Close down the camps, get the people fed, and have some infrastructure. And I'm done. That's it. Then we can worry about Eritrea. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and, and even the 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 Chinese stuff is just like, well, you know, they have all this control over their economy, but they still believe that sort of some limited capitalism is the way forward for their country. Right. And people can, can leave China. You know what I mean? Things like that. The whole idea that a country would have to keep people there by force. Right. It's like instant red flag of like, well, this is not a good situation and, here. Like no one should have to stay someplace. And you said it unintentionally, but red flag is the correct exact term. Funny enough. Yes. Yeah, it's true. Um, so, so where do you think? What do you think the the end game is with the with the Trump stuff? You think they're just going to walk away like they walked away every other time and keep no, doing what I they're doing? No, I think this was a huge priority for him. He talked about it a lot during the campaign, during the State of the Union. I got into it with Ann Coulter on Twitter because a huge chunk of the State of the Union was about North Korea. He had that refugee holding up his cane in the audience. Yep. Uh, when President Xi came to Mar-a-Lago very early, I think he was the, one of the first leaders, uh, international leaders to meet with President Trump, and he explicitly said they talked North Korea. So this has been a huge issue from him from the very beginning. So I don't think he's going to kind of shrug it off like he shrugged off, for example, building the wall, sure. which he almost never talks about anymore. He's been hitting this issue very hard for a long time. It's going to be interesting to see what happens because, I mean, ultimately, North Korea is just another proxy war like we had with the Soviets during this Cold no, War. No, they're not as much. So? No, no, because we're not – we don't hate China the way we hate the Soviet Union. And, and chi- I mean – Although there are people on the right who want us to hate China correct, like they're, they're, that. Correct. The, the, right. So, it's like, guys, I, if we're trading with people, we don't have wars with people. That's a better thing, better right. situation. And if North Korea wants to be a liberalized Chinese vassal state, you yep. know what I mean, uh, more liberalized, I don't think anyone would have a problem with that either in the administration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, fine, let him be China Jr. That's fine. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's going to be really interesting how that all falls out. Very helpful for the North Korean people. And Kim Jong un is not a healthy gentleman. He's healthy enough. There's an entire hospital dedicated just to keeping his lifespan extended. <laughs> yeah, does he have kids yet? I th- yeah, he has one kid. Dennis Rodman revealed that. Really? Yeah. Male, man or woman? I think it's a daughter. Oh, that's in- that would be an interesting twist. Why is that? Well, just did, like it's been three or three, I guess, sons in a row. Like, I wonder if. if, if oh, you can't be metrilineal, though. It have to be a son. But Kim Jong is the youngest saying. son of Kim Jong il. He has three kids. He had three sons. Oh, that's he true, right? The, the older two. ones, yeah. yeah. One of them got killed, right? By, by Kim Jong un, yeah. What do, you, do you think he was really worried that his brother was like going to come back and, and make him look bad or try to take over or something? Yes, because according to the, and I talk about this in Dear Reader, North Korea has, for display purpose, a constitution, but they're actually ruled by the Ten Commandments of the great leader Kim Il-sung. Right. And the Tenth Commandment says the revolution shall be extended through the generations till the end, which means legally only a direct descendant of Kim Il-sung can be the leader. Right. So if there's Kim Jong-nam, who's the eldest brother, and Kim Jong-un, who's the youngest, if you kill off your eldest brother— there's no plan B oh, because yeah, it's not yeah. like there's a Mike Pence. If Kim Jong-un gets killed, we have no idea what's going to happen. But, that, but he there's didn't no, want any part of it, did he? Uh, brother? It, if, want or not, he's certainly there as a kind of like if— Or if it, he had had a kid, maybe that no, would be No, but if Kim Jong-un gets—people could have ideas because it would be very easy to take out Kim Jong-un and install Kim Jong-nam. Yeah. If Kim Jong-un gets killed now, it, no one would know what to do. Right. There's no—like they can't go to people and say— 
we're going to put in this guy. Whereas yeah, if, yeah. if you know, if something had happened to Obama, Biden would be president immediately. Sure. And no one, Republican or Democrat, would bat an eye. It's like, right. okay, this is what happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, God, it's such, it's, there are so many ways of thinking, like if you were in North Korea and only steeped in the North Korean dogma and all the right. rest of it, just your worldview is so diametrically opposed to so many other people in the world. Sure. How how many things in the West do we get wrong just because we're so indoctrinated into this world? Well, like the, the Constitution, it, right? Like the Constitution, arguably, yes. Yeah. yeah. Although I don't have as much of a problem with the Constitution as you do. Well, the way that the North Koreans look at uh, their leader is kind of how certain people on the right look at the Constitution. So literally, it's as if the greatest wizards in all the land came together and argued for days— <clears throat> And they wrote down a series of spells on this magic parchment. And this parchment created this perfect invisible being that to whom which we must owe all fealty. Um, and the joke I made, and that's the founding fathers. It, sure. I mean, people will tell you with a straight face that the founding fathers were the smartest people who ever lived. Yes. And that they also kind of were all in unanimity, which yeah. is completely and You read ahistorical. the minutes of these meetings and things, and they're like, these people were fighting tooth and nail trying to get their point across. It was Correct. Just, it was and they were the great middle. minds. But the, again, the idea that they're so great that they defy history is false. Yes, of course. Um, it's, but it's not, of course. I mean, the, the reverence that, that's okay. had for them. That's the way I, I agree with you. Right. In the sense that, like, again, another thing of the right place at the right time, like, you know, the, the, that, that I feel like the world was almost ready for that. At that point, yes, I the Enlightenment agree. had gotten to the Correct. point where that was, you know, the next step. And it was a huge accomplishment and it was a huge deal, but it was also illegal. Yep. Um, and it was it was a coup and it was yep. a conspiracy. So but people don't like those words, so they don't like using it vis-a-vis the Well, and the then the French have their revolution and then give it all up to Napoleon 20 years later or whatever. Right. I mean, is, that, it's like, what are you right, guys doing? Right. You so, just fought and killed people for So the joke I have Kim Jong-il make is you guys make fun of us for having one leader and saying he's the greatest person who ever leave, lived, and you guys have you for your point of view, you had 30. Right. And they're all in these rinky dink colonies on the Eastern seaboard, which is crazier. Yeah. 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 You got to take all that stuff with a grain of salt. Right. Yeah. So what's with the podcast? What's the, what's the new show? (laughs) What's with the podcast? No, no, no. I've watched a couple episodes. I'm just saying like, what's your, what's your big picture for, for your welcome? Uh, I don't know that I have a big picture. You're welcome. It's my weekly interview show. I've been doing it for over a year. And it's a great opportunity for me to meet and talk to people that I would like to meet and talk to. And it's also being a co-author, I'm good at getting people to drop their guard and picking their brains. So just this week, I had Cody Wilson, who's the guy who's behind 3D printing guns uh, and basically, basically making it to a point where you could do, you can print a gun in your own home, right. making gun legislation superfluous and irrelevant. The receiver, I guess, is what it is. Isn't that the, the, the actual— The no, liberator. No, no, I know, I know. But the, the, the piece of the gun that actually is the gun— portion of it is i think called the receiver oh is that right yeah it's like you know because the barrel and the stock and the trigger and all that stuff is all just like you can swap those out but there's the part of the gun that's actually where the bullet gets hit okay is i think called the receiver but yes the liberator right yeah the the 3d printed gun man weapons that's a whole other giant thing yeah we had a good we had a good talk about that i mean you know we have limitations of you know you're not allowed to have a rocket launcher at your house so should people be able to have rocket launchers at their house? I don't know. Uh, I don't know about rocket launchers, but certainly any weapon ram. Um, it's not should. Or, it, the point that Cody's making is it, it's not should or shouldn't. It's you're entitled to your point of view, and I'm going to do as I damn well please. Yeah. And the technology is going to make it impossible for you to impose your view on me. Right. Yeah, it's gonna. It's that's going to change everything. Right. It's already happened. I yeah. mean, again, these files are free. They're on the internet. Yeah. You could get a 3D printer, and you can make it right now. And and again, we're so used to this kind of NRA versus Mom's Demand gun sense, whatever it's called, that 
people don't realize that, you know, this argument, you guys are talking past each other and it's going to be made irrelevant very quickly. You know, sometimes the, um, this is kind of slight tangent, but you have any feelings about Andy Warhol? Oh, one of my great heroes. Okay. See, Andy Warhol is like one of those guys to me where it's like the ideas of, of what he's talking about. It's like, if I mass produce art and have this thing where people are making art and I put my name on it and I'm using all these imagery from the, well, from he didn't put his name on it. He made the, the well, stuff himself. Yeah. But, but like, he trolled I'm, people actually, he actually had an interview once where he said, Bridget Berlin does all my work. Yeah. And then all these collectors started calling him up, wondering if they had a Warhol or a Bridget Berlin and he had to backpedal. Really? Yes. I just, I, just I, the, the, the theory, the theory behind Warhol and the ideas that he brings up to me are far more interesting than his actual work. Well, I, I think it's kind of like the Beatles in the sense that his work has gotten so influential that looking at it now, it looks banal, but at right. the time it would have been mind blowing. Right. Well, I guess my point is that, I'm sorry, the guy's name with the gun, with the 3D. Cody project, Wilson. Cody Wilson. You know, I, I, I think it's fascinating that conversation, but at the same time, I'm really not into having everyone have weapons on them all the time. Well, that's what's you wonderful. Know, it's sort of like it's a th- it's an interesting theoretical intellectual discussion, but the reality, day to day reality of it, is not something that I'm all that excited about. But here's the thing: it's not theoretical. <laughs> this is real. Is the point? And the other point is, it's freedom for me means you, Bill, are entitled to your point of view, and I shouldn't have to care. And that. Well, what is, if I'm crazy? I, I should definitely shouldn't have to care if you're crazy. Well, I guess, what if I'm crazy and want to get 30 of these things and just kill indiscriminately people around This has me? already happened in yeah, Las right. Vegas. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. So, the, yeah. so the pro- what you would want is to make sure that you know, people can defend themselves. Interesting. From 600 yards away in, that, in the Las Vegas case. Well, I, I, I don't, and that's another thing, a reason why I condemn the press. Everyone forgot about Vegas. Yeah. We have no answers. How he got yep. to his room? How he got the stockpile? Was he acting alone? Yep. I, there was I, this could be complete conspiracy theory. So I don't know if what I'm about to say is true at all. Yep. There were these rumors that he had some kind of weird ISIS connections really? or somehow. Yes, through his through his. I I I mean, his brother yep. was arrested for pedophilia for having right. child porn in his computer. There's all sorts of yep. weird stuff connected, and then they completely forgot about him. Yeah, completely. Well, yeah. Well, the, you know, the interesting thing about just the ISIS kind of stuff is that. Nowadays, anybody can. Oh, I watched a few ISIS videos, and oh, I'm ISIS. Connected, no, no. My understanding you know. is he had actually money funneled he, to him. Oh, really? Interesting. It, but again, this could be complete BS <clears throat> and, yeah. and internet lies. I, yeah. I no stock, yeah. pun, no pun intended, sure. in that. But that's again, there's so little information about this, right. and it completely went down the memory hole. The, you know, the, the the whole idea of terrorism is like an amazing thing. Like when you know they the basic the base of World Trade Center Tower One, the new one, the right. WTC one, is basically a fortress for the first. Sure. 10 stories up or whatever it is. And people are just like, oh, you know, so it doesn't happen again. And I was like, the whole idea of terrorism is that you don't you do not do the same thing over and over again. You do a different thing. No, but they did it. They bombed the World Trade Center oh, before. Yeah, and, and, yeah, but they just, they failed and then right. they did so it they real. did the same thing. I'm just saying that, you know, if they go blow up a bus in Iowa, that's way more scary than taking down another plane. You know what I mean? Because now you don't know where it's going to come from. Sure. You can't just ignore airplanes or whatever it is and then you're right. safe. But you on know? the other hand, the plane is, is so much more... If you blew up a bus and killed three thousand people, but the nine eleven visual is is so oh, yeah, much strong. more intense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's. I wonder if we're gonna look. Do you think that never forget? You know all this kind of stuff. Do you think in a hundred years people will care about nine eleven? Yes, no question. <clears throat> really, because we have the footage. Okay, it's like the Hindenburg. 
How, yeah, how yeah, many yeah. people died in Hindenburg? Probably a couple dozen, if any. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know I, if actually, any died. Just a few people died, I think, in the Yeah, Hindenburg. and it's still, I mean, and this is, I mean, because it led to so many things, to the Iraq war, Afghanistan war, and Bush presidency. Right. I mean, this is, if you're talking history, it's like talking about McKinley, not talking about the tariff, you know? Right, 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 right. I have a friends who have this theory called the just some guy theory of history, which is that on a long enough time scale, everybody is just some guy, you know? Yeah, I don't. You're Gandhi now. But in 2,000 years ago, from now, will people care no, that a I'm guy the, named Gandhi existed? I'm the opposite. I'm the great man theory of history. Okay. Yeah. But then you think that, well, because I mean, other than Jesus from, and, and a few Romans and a few Greeks. But we don't know if Jesus even existed. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe Jesus existed? Uh, I, I have my doubts. And if, if he did, he was just some philosopher, religious guy who. Right. Was just saying no, oh, and when people are like, nice "How can you say else? that?" Like, I mean, you could do the homework on this, but basically, you know, we know so much about his life. We know also a lot about uh, Hercules's life. Sure, yeah, yeah, exactly, right. What what does that say? Right. And everything we know about Jesus was two hundred years after the fact. Uh, well, there's some. I think the first mention of him is in uh, it's like forty years after he died or something yeah, like that. Right. Yeah. You know, forty years back then. Right. It's not like we have cell phones. And that's and- the other point is that there were contemporary journalists, historians at the time that don't mention him. Right. Which is telling. He was probably one of two hundred guys who was walking around. Saying he was the son of God. That actually is true. There were a lot yeah. of uh, people who are around that time claiming to be the Messiah. So there's yeah. a book called, uh, uh, what was I forget, Pagan Christs, which talks about these other alleged messiahs. Is it any good? I don't remember. Oh. <laughs> but the point, the point stands that he was not unique in this sense. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So I got to ask you about your fashion. Sure. Because you will put up a lot of stuff sometimes. What do you think of this jacket? What right. do you think of that jacket? Right. And some of the stuff is like you're into new stuff vintage stuff do you want things to be quirky do you see it as so i when i look at clothes especially suits right yeah. i want it to look unique but unique can be bad it could be clownish or terrible yep. or unique could be good and it's very hard to tell if something's innovative in a clothes sense yeah. which of those it is so i'll put up on facebook and i'll ask people's opinions and you trust the people's opinions i always go by the people's opinions because again if i'm wearing something on tv that's the only time i wear suits it's going to be the opinions of the audience that matter. Right. So I don't want to be looking like an ass on, you know, yeah. Laura Ingram's show. What was the, is the spinal tap? You know, there's a fine line between stupid and clever. You know, there's a, there's a fine line between looking cool and looking Clownish. absurd. Yeah, yeah. especially with fashion. <clears throat> yeah. Because, I mean, I think, I think fashion almost could be defined by that line. Yes, and, I agree. And which side of that line you're on. And one a good example, there was this right now in, uh, in Brit- British culture, there's this guy, Harry Styles, I think his name is from One Direction or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know the name. So he wears these very bold printed suits. And now yeah. that's become a thing in UK and it started to trickle over here. And I was in Top Man and they have a, a pink floral suit. Really? And it looked like kind of wallpapery, like so hipstery. And I'm like, is this way too kind of girly or is this something people can wrap their heads around and i asked my most conservative friends and they're like oh yeah this looks cool like so if they can handle it then i know i can yeah. pull it off yeah yeah, yeah. and you, see i am a, i'm a very conservative dresser like i don't i don't particularly care about fashion right you know like i i wear clothes so i look presentable and yeah, but I you're not on television Right. I'm not on television. Right, right, right. But I mean, but I have to go to gigs and impress the CEO of some multinational corporation sure. and look at a certain level, right? So, I mean, there's some element of presentability sure. to, to my work. But so I always try to find that place where it's like, okay, I don't look like I'm wearing my dad's suit. I look stylish in some conservative sense of like, okay, he knows how to dress himself. Yeah, yeah. You know, his shoes are clean. They're nice shoes. Sure. You know, that kind of thing. 
what do you feel like you gain from going further than that off uh, closer to the edge? Uh, I'm, I'm a performer. So if when okay. I'm on these like shows, I'm there to put on a show. Right. Yeah. And especially if I'm on like Fox, all the men there dress, the women dress great. They're in bold colors, you know, they're yeah. in, in form fitting uh, uh, outfits. The men dress like accountants and, and yeah. like morticians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's very easy for me. You should get them some good suits. They should, fix, they should send them off to some people to get a decent it's, suit. It's weird, right? Yeah. So it's very easy for me to stand out yeah. just because I'm wearing, let's suppose, like a, like a burgundy suit. Right, right. Which is okay. hardly anyone... You know, as conservative as you are, maybe you wouldn't wear it. No one's going to look at a dude in a burgundy suit and be like, what are you wearing? They're yeah. like, okay. So, I mean, they're not going to bat an eye. Right, 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 right. So you see it almost as a, a, a superficial thing for yourself for, and I don't mean superficial in a neg- with a negative context. No, correct. Yeah. Yeah. But it's sort of just like, no, I'm, this is, this is part of the, part of the shtick. Yeah. And let me were. stand out on this panel. Yeah. 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 And this channel. So do you think about what you do and and the trolling and the writing and all of this stuff as are you that person that you portray or or in in, I'm, I'm a in lot, your own head at, at night you know what I mean I'm a lot meaner in real life really yeah okay because you I mean you and I have known each other for we've probably spent ten hours together over the years sure you've never been mean to me particularly sure right right so it's just it's yeah it's it's like but I, I so I wouldn't get that out of you. But you think in your own head that's no, how but you you're not off? my enemy. That's true. That's true. Yeah, man, I wouldn't want to be your enemy. Bad that's place true. to be. Uh, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> Is it really? It's fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Billy Idol had this great quote, and I'm going to bangle it, but he basically said, "I love when people are are uh, rude to me, so then I could stop pretending to be polite." Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely my thinking. I just got into it last week on some show on the air, and and. I, someone was just interrupting me and talking over me constantly, which had never happened before. And I get along with everyone, uh, liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat. They're there to have their point of view. They're going to be thought out and, and yeah. articulate. And I have my point of view and, and we sh- we're friends. I, there's, yeah. there's, it's, it's just, you know what it is? I think a lot of these shows, people think of it like the way they thought of wrestling during the 80s that, you know, Hulk Hogan really hates the Iron Sheik. And when they discovered that these people are all friends, it kind of blew their minds. Oh, it's yeah, like, sure. It's, it's totally collegial and, and everyone's pals. Yeah. But this was an exception. And I was not having it. I, I was completely slamming this woman through the floor. And during commercial, we went on Twitter and everyone's like, oh my God, that was so great. You know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. But know, even then I, I was restrained. I remember I, I went to Tucker Carlson's house oh, cool. once to take his picture back actually in the original 365 portrait. Somebody introduced me to him. God, I don't know who it was. Anyway, long story short, he was very nice to me. His wife, kids, like I'm yeah. hanging out with them for a few hours. Like he was, you know, I don't agree with him politically, even if those are the his actual political views, which I'm not completely sold on. But They are. Okay. Um, but you know, he was very nice to me and, 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 and I left and people will say, you know, what was he like? I was like, he was a nice guy. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it, when I left, he's like, oh, you should talk to Carville. You should talk to, you yeah, know, yeah. It, and he was just like giving me phone numbers of guys oh, that yeah. like on the other side who he knows it's like, oh, cause television news or cable news is entertainment more than it is information. True. Well, it's a mix, but at the same time, it's like, why would you hate someone who disagrees with you? Who disagrees with you if they're smart and informed? Yeah, well, that that's, makes no sense. Right, right, right. Well, a lot of people would say, "Oh, they're not informed," or "They're dumb." I agree with you, but but yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I mean, I, specifically speaking of Fox, like like ninety percent of people, I would say, are very bright and informed on on those shows who go on there. Yeah, 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 yeah. From and, both sides of the aisle, there's many very bright left wing people on Fox. 
Yeah. I'm Jessica Tarlov. She's going to be on my show next week. Yeah. She's a hardcore Hillary person. She's great. And she can run with the punches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, uh, later in that year, I met this kid who was a writer at NS- MSNBC where Tucker was at the time. Okay. And he was like a left-wing kid writing mm-hmm. something. And he said, you know, I, I was telling him this story and he said, you know, one time I wrote some piece for the website or whatever it is. He goes, and like two hours later, I get it, like knock at my cubicle and I look up and Tucker Carlson's there and he's just like, hey man, I, I just read your thing on the site. Like, good job. I just want to come over yeah. and tell you. He didn't have to do that. Of course. You know, but he like made a point of like, I'm going to go find this person. They're in the same building as right. me. Like I'm going to be, you know, and I feel like that, that says something about person's integrity, I guess. Yes, maybe. of is course. That, is, that, is that the yeah. correct word? Yeah. I think, I feel like people, you can disagree with people as long as they have some level of, I was going to say gravitas, but I think integrity is a better yeah, word. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's, 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 it goes that way. So, so what's next? What's, the, what's your next move? Uh, my next book's coming. I'm waiting to get the publication date. It's done from the editor about the new right. What's going on with the right now? What do you mean it's going on with the right now? You think that, uh, you think that it's uh, headed for to, to get bigger and badder, or do you think it's going to uh, wither away? Do you think- oh, no, it's going to get bigger and badder. Yeah. Because okay. with the Supreme Court yep. is by far the most radical branch of government at the moment. They're willing to strike down things that are 100 years old. So yep. once they get five, and if Trump gets a sixth person on the court, which I don't know how long Ginsburg or some of the others will, will last— Things are, and I think it's almost certain the Republicans are going to keep the Senate. Uh, things are going to go crazy really fast because once here's an easy example I was talking about with Cody, uh, the Heller decision for the first time in uh, U.S. history affirmed that the Second Amendment is an individual right. It's not some kind of sub- right subordinate to a militia. Once they start building on that and start striking down state and city laws, uh, there's no legal recourse. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, a major shift. No legal recourse, but you know, there's also, I mean, if if they overturn Roe, which arguably they'll just chip away at it for sure. 30 years instead of just flat overturning it. But if whatever it is, 68 percent of Americans are pro-choice, you know, is there a point at which government will go so far in one direction that it'll become? You know, there will be millions of people in the streets and trying to overthrow stuff. And, there have already and, been millions of people in the streets, and they can't. In you remember two thousand four yep. when Bush had his reelection? Hit the camp, Republicans at convention here in New York, yep. and everyone was pissed. Like, why are you coming here? We hate you here. Yep. It was the biggest uh, um, street protest ever. Occupy was another one, and yep. nothing came of them. Or the women's march. Yeah, and the other thing with abortion, I mean, is even though it's whatever the numbers are, they're not geographically disseminated evenly. So it's going to be pockets of, you know, the numbers are much higher for pro-choice and pockets of numbers are much higher for pro-life. Yeah, yeah. But what's going to happen like with the abortion stuff is that New York State's not going to ban abortion, but some poor woman down in – Yeah, some – right, or Mississippi, right? Some poor black woman in Mississippi isn't going to be able to get an abortion. Right. But, you know, you and I would. You know what I mean? Which is kind of a (laughs) – really crappy place to be well then too. it's also going to become expensive for mississippi because now they're 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 going to have their welfare is going to go up because you're right. going to have people who are having all these kids out of, you know that, and you that think are, that might shift things in the other direction well it's certainly going to have something for them to deal yeah, with yeah. you know what i mean so it's 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 not as uh um intuitive how things would shake out with yeah. row as it would with some of these other things yeah you, you said something interesting uh on rogan you were talking about like immigration or something and you were just like no one thinks about the consequences. Like there's all kinds of things involved in this, right? It's like, it's not just what the rule is. It's how much it costs, what the, you know, what, what the effect would be and all this kind of stuff. 
And people really don't think about that. And and as you get older, you, everything's a double-edged sword. Well, one know? of the worst things of the left, um, and then certain aspects of the right as well, but it, contemporary, I would say this is much more functional left, is that they very much focus on the benefit and hand wave away and pretend that the costs don't even exist. Right. And this is a big problem in terms of persuading people in the middle. Because it's one thing to say, you know what? You're going to have more crime when you import uh, more people who are immigrants. But if you're bringing in three million people saving them from, you know, hell on earth, and you're going to have, you know, 20 of them are murderers, it's worth it. You're saving, right. I mean, and that's a very fair yep. argument. But to say, well, no, there's going to be no negative consequences, that's a lie. No, it's I a, agree. clearly a I lie. Agree. I mean, even even uh, back to the Roe thing, it's like, if the Supreme Court does knock down Roe, that also makes it, it's no longer an argument that the right can bring up to get people to the polls. Correct. Right. So there's, there's, there's flip side, there's double-edged sword. Everything's right. a double-edged sword, right? Right. Cost and benefit. Do yeah. you ever, do you ever watch uh, the, um, uh, the, what's the, um, what's the Tom Hanks movie with uh, Philip Hoffman about uh, Afghanistan? Uh, Charlie Wilson's War? No. There's a whole scene at the end where they're just like, oh, look at this young man. He learned how to ride a horse. Isn't that great? And somebody says, well, we'll see. Right. You know? yeah, and yeah. it goes on and on like that. And like, oh, look, oh, he fell off the horse. He broke his leg. So now he doesn't have to go to war. Isn't that great? Well, I don't know. We'll see. Right. Because who knows where everything's going to go. Right. You know? Right. Absolutely. And people don't like to think that way. Correct. They want things to be black and white. Correct. Nothing's black and white. No, I don't agree. But some what do you things think are is black, black and white. Principles are black and white. But the thing is, when you apply the principles to real life, that's when things become gray. Well, and if if everyone can have their own principles based upon your earlier conversation, then they might be black and white for you, but they're not black and white for society. Well, I don't think society has principles. Yeah. People have principles, right? And theoretically, some majority of society would have those principles. Yeah, but majorities are fluid and irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, just because a lot of people, according to the majority, the Big Bang Show is the funniest show on television. Right. Okay. Good point. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. if you're right, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. And you're not right. I assure you. Yeah. Majority rules is a, d- 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 a dangerous thing. Correct. It's a popularity contest. Correct. And it's how and, we end up with this guy in the White House. Well, no, he he was the less popular That's true. one. That's true. In this case, um, it, it, as an anarchist, it, it's mind boggling to me that my fellow nerds, or I mean, I will use that term loosely, are thinking that the people who win popularity contests are the one who should be telling you how to live your life. It right. makes absolutely no sense to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but what's does the alternative actually work? Has there been yeah. an example of an anarchist society that ninety nine percent of all of our interactions are anarchists? Right, but there is some level at which we've felt so far that we need the we need we need daddy to tell us what to do. No, maybe you do. I don't. I, I'm saying society. I'm not saying necessarily me. But society but, doesn't say things. People say things. Yeah. There's no social voice. There's the president, or there's the media, or there's your school teacher, or there's your dad. But you think it'll happen? You really think that 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 governments will fall away? Yes. That they won't do everything they can to, 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 I mean, you they can will argue, do everything they can. Right, of right. course they'll do everything. I mean, they look can. at, look at, look at, look at the crap. I mean, everyone said, oh, the internet and all the rest of it. Right. But now the government wants everything out of our phones and they want to be able to read our mail and they want they to see can't. all the internet. Right. I see. So this is how, this is a great example of anarchism. Apple computers, which is hardly some kind of ideological, uh, radical like myself yep. have made it so that they themselves can't get into your phone. They told the cops we're not going to help you yes. get into our product. This would have been unimaginable 20 years right. ago. However, the flip side of that is that when you make a backups on iCloud, those are not encrypted and Apple can give those to them and they've been doing that and they don't talk about it. Is, okay, so- Yeah, but, but this so is, it's just like there's also like bullshit- 
PR. But my point stunts, that right? to have a corporation tell the police no. Yeah, we we actually did something that we didn't have to do that makes your life no right. good. I mean, this goes completely against how I was raised. The right. idea that law enforcement should be defied in any sense, again, like when we were kids, would have been regarded as treason or right. psychotic. Sure, sure, sure. Certainly, yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I still think I, think, I think phones should be protected by complete privacy. This is yes. an extension of my brain. Yes. You know. And, and, my, and phones and homes. Yeah, your home too. Right. And all your papers. Right. And that's one of the other great things that, that uh, many right-wingers have done. Now they've kept something called Castle Doctrine. Because thanks to the drug war, cops have these no-knock warrants. They think you might have weed in your house. And they're scared you're going to flush the weed down the toilet or even the crack or or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her, or heroin or something. Let's pretend right. it's heroin. And God forbid you flush your heroin down the toilet. So they're not going to give you a warrant, which is completely unconstitutional, you know, or, or give yeah, you yeah. a warning. They're going to knock down your door, come in guns blazing. Yep. And if they have the wrong address, which they've had, yep. and you shoot them or they shoot you, too bad. It's your fault. Yeah. Right. So now Castle Doctrine, which has been passed in many states, gives you the right to shoot them if they invade your home right. and, and, and have legal... Uh, safety. And I think that's absolutely wonderful. Well, there's also, what is the... And that's fascinating. It's coming from the right. Oh, sure. That the right are are telling you it's okay to shoot cops. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Not okay, but I I mean, legally... uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there's also, what's the the thing where they just take your property? Eminent domain. So eminent. So this is one of the big arguments. Or I mean, the stuff where you're like driving down this, they pull you over and you have ten thousand dollars in the right, car, and they assume uh, that it's yeah, yeah. It's, they assume it's, it's illegally obtained. Or whatever. Uh, it's a uh, uh, asset forfeiture. Unbelievable. So let me explain this to people. So one of the big arguments is yes, I don't want to be an anarchist because, but for the cops, I don't want to be mugged and burglarized every day, right? So if the cops come to your house and they suspect you of being a drug dealer. Yep. Right, you're not legally proven to be one. You yep. don't have to be accused of a crime. You just put away a hundred dollar bill every week for the last thirty years, oh. and you have a stack of hundred dollar bills on have the to table. Have, the thing with being a free country is I don't have to explain where my money comes from. No, I know. I'm, uh, I'm just, just saying yeah. that, like, if you had done that and you have a pile of hundred dollar bills, well, let's suppose I did it illegally. Let's suppose I robbed somebody's house. It yep. wasn't from drugs. I found some old yeah, lady, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. and in her wall, she had a hundred thousand dollars, and I stole it. Yep. Right? Sure. It wasn't a drug issue. They can come seize my car. Sees my money in my bank account, sees my house. Yeah. I haven't gone through due process and been convicted of anything. I have to sue them in order to get it back. Yeah. And now, as of the last two years, more money has been taken through this, through asset forfeiture, than through all burglaries combined. Yeah. And uh, so I will take, and statistically, I'll take my luck with the burglaries. And, 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 the, and the police uh, the departments generally can keep a they chunk keep of it. They keep it, and it's a huge revenue generator for yeah. them. Just so they like have tickets. no incentive not to do it. Here's the other thing. Let's suppose you go to Macy's, right? Yeah. I go to Macy's, and I am playing my boombox, and I'm being a jerk. Right. Just some way acting inappropriately. Yeah. Or I have my rollerblades on. I can on. see you do that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and Macy's can kick me out. Sure. And say, get out. Can you imagine the Macy's guy coming up to me and being like, you owe me $75? Right. But that's what parking tickets are. It's like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. If things were private, the idea that like, I'm using my car incorrectly, I owe you money for some reason. What? Who are you? Shut up. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just a revenue generator. It's a tax. And sure. it's a tax that hurts poor people far more than rich people. Well, sure. There's many different things in the world hurt poor people more than rich people. By definition. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Weaker people are going to be easier to hurt and hurt more frequently than strong people by definition yeah. in any society ever. It's going to, it's, this, you know, the world as it goes, breaking down of borders, just what the internet is, has been able to do. And of course, you know, all these people want to lock it down. The, the, the great firewall in China and all this kind right. of stuff, right? You know, limiting people's 
uh, access to information. I mean, think about what would happen if the people in North Korea could actually just read Wikipedia. Well, this is what this, this is the big problem. So they're already getting this information, and the North Korean. This is another reason why is this Trump or is it not Trump? It's much much harder for the North Korean regime to, to maintain it. their Poland power than they were in like the eighties or nineties. Because now, because yeah. trust is easy to lose and hard to maintain. So as soon as I, if I come here and I find out you're a fraud, I'm not going to believe you about B, C, and D if right. you're a complete liar about A. Right. So all it takes is that one big thing, be like holy crap, and the dominoes start to fall, and that's happening very strongly in North Korean society because the people up at the top actually can get access to the internet? Or no, the people at the bottom. China? You think How are the people at the bottom? Because they're getting memory sticks and people are oh. going to China and, and having refugees yeah. and they have cell phones. Yeah. And it's like you're being taught a lot. So there's a North Korean book called The U.S. Imperialist Star of the Korean War. So what it's been described in writing as when refugees find out that the great leader Kim Il-sung started the Korean War, it would be like you and I discovering that FDR bombed the Japanese at Pearl Harbor. Right. It would, it, it, I mean, it, we wouldn't even begin to be able to wrap our heads around it. Sure, sure. So once you have that big lie fall, everything else is like, holy crap, these people are the devil. Right, it's right. not even that like, oh, you know how the government lies to us in America about a, a little stuff. I mean, to be that pervasive, just to be falsifying history completely, yeah. I mean, the reaction would be, and I'm, and I'm starving. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, you know, you're lying to me completely, but it's okay, I have a nice house sure. and I have clean clothes. I'm starving and you've been lying to me, my family, my whole life and kept right. me in fear. Um, you know what? I don't really think I yeah. like you much Do you anymore. think there's a chance in North Korea that the, the people will actually rise up? No, because they have to, I talk about this in Dear Reader as well. They have to report on each other every week by law publicly. Right. So, so you think there's no chance of that just sort of everyone, oh yeah, I'm going to report and no one reports and then- But if you don't report, a- you're in trouble. You have no, your I meeting see. every week and you have to say what you saw your friends God, doing wrong. it's really insanely- it's not insanely. It's brilliant. No, that's what I'm saying. It's it's in it's it's an it's an insane control structure. Right. So one of the things I talk about in Dear Reader, this was a decades long process. How this family extended their control and power yeah. step by step to make sure that things don't go wrong. It's insane. Very it's methodical. methodical. It's incredible. Yes. It's actually impressive if you step it's back. Very impressive from an they objective have, point of view. They have locks and fences and electrified. Lo- I mean, they have. If this falls, fail safes. They have so many fail safes to make sure things don't go wrong for them. It's brilliant. This war- and the people of the North Korea are the ones who are the victims of this brilliance. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Have been for 50 and have years. Been, yeah. 70. 70 years it's been? Yeah. Since World War II. Oh, I guess it right was. Man. And here we are talking about the, uh, the you know, remains of a handful of guys from the Korean War, war that they're going to hand over and that's going to change everything. But it's know? something. It's, yeah, it's, them, it it's something. a confession. And it's a submission. I still like the one place on the DMZ where there's actual, like, where the— They're staring at each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and the North Koreans, like, have guys watching the guys because if one of those guys runs, they're supposed to shoot the guy who's trying right. to run. Right. Crazy. Well, no, it makes sense because you're representing the country. And if you're—I mean, that's—I mean, the propaganda. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, the lead, coup alone. Yeah, we, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, we're going to have to have you come back when, uh, when you're done with the—when the right-wing book comes out. Yeah, that would be great. Is this any fun? Oh, what, what was it? The book? No, this. Of course. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't fun. All right. Uh, Michael, where can they find you? Uh, Michael Malice on Twitter and uh, yeah, and your welcomes on iTunes and YouTube. Who else is on that network? Uh, Gas Digital is Legion of Skanks. It's Tim Dillon. Uh, Louis J. Gomez has a show with, um, I forgot the fighter whose name I'm blanking on, the real ass podcast. Uh, Marisa uh, has a show called Rigorous. Uh, Dave Smith has part of the problem. Comic Dave Smith. He's a great guy. It's a good team of people. Yeah. And uh, you do video too. 
It's video and audio, yeah. yeah. And also my show on Compound Media is called Nightshade. How does the, the video and audio, does one do much better than the other numbers-wise? I don't know. That's a great question because I only know my YouTube numbers. I don't really look up the iTunes numbers, uh, but apparently they're pretty solid. Yeah, that's always the interesting thing, right? Yeah, like, and it's also an Art19. So I don't, I don't have the, uh, the total. I just go by my YouTube. Fascinating. All right. Well, we'll have you back. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bill. We'll talk to you soon. Yep.